You're listening to the Enterprising Expat stories of women who packed up their lives and moved abroad for love, a job, or a fresh start. What does it take to build a new life and business in a new country? What does it take to go from finding your feet to thriving? Find out how each woman did it. Be inspired, whether you're an expat or digital nomad, to bloom where you're planted. Hi, welcome back to the Enterprising Expat. This week I'm releasing Danielle's episode and I want to give you a quick heads up that this was recorded in early 2020. So some of the information might seem a little bit odd without that, without you remembering that nugget. Secondly, she talks about how she achieved permanent residence in Ecuador, but I want to make it clear that the point of this podcast is not to give you information about how to gain citizenship or permanent residency in any country. The best place to seek that advice would be on the relevant websites for those countries. But her journey has been interesting, especially since she stepped out on faith and just decided to go to South Africa, having never traveled internationally before. So, Danielle Tucker is the creative director of professional speaker websites. She helps speakers, coaches, authors, and consultants to book more speaking engagements by leveraging the power of their online brand and website. I'll let her do the rest of the talking. Enjoy the interview and thanks so much for tuning back in. Let's start with where you are now. Tell me why speakers? How did you narrow down into that niche? Actually, I have two reasons. The first is it's more business oriented. But the first reason is because I actually, this is, this can go like way back when we, we, first connected. When I first started traveling, my husband and I, we quit jobs, packed our bags, booked one-way tickets to South Africa. And that was it. That was our first real big leap into um, living abroad. And so in the midst of it, I had to figure out how in the world to work online. Like, like I hear people get paid. What, like, how does, is this even possible? What do we do? And so uh, really it became this goal to discover how to serve people through online. So I started off really with helping coaches and consultants and trainers who have an audience and teaching them how to build a personal brand and, and creating a website accurately represented them. And so fast forward to today and looking at the industry, as I began to see this pattern in terms of speakers and, you know, the audience, I began to see a really big gap in the industry of professionals who knew how to help speakers to create this luxury brand that would help them to really stand out in the industry and leave a mark with meeting planners. So that's where I took my branding expertise and really niched down to just helping professional speakers and also entrepreneurs, service providers, and coaches who speak to sell their services. I decided to niche down because I noticed that there was a big hole in the industry and I wanted to be that person to help fill it so that there weren't people spending exuberant amounts of money on a website and it gets them zero results or like they invest in branding and they feel like this does not accurately portray me as how I want to be represented as a speaker. The second reason, more personal reason is because I love 
being remote. I love being location independent and being able to do what I enjoy from anywhere in the world. And so part of creating a lifestyle that I love is making sure that I work with people that make me happy. (laughs) And so speakers, they love to talk. Like we could just have a good old conversation. That was something that I really appreciated is hearing people's stories, hearing, you know, how they got to where they are, what lessons they've learned, what things I could learn from them, uh, but also helping to support them on their journey to share that message with other people. That That is fantastic. I got so much from that. I just didn't realize how much was involved when you put yourself forward to be a speaker. You said made a decision, you and your husband sold everything and got two tickets to go to South Africa. Now, most expats do not start out that way. So (laughs) (laughs) you guys are the wild cards. It is true. Yeah. So this is cool. So what led up to that decision? I had just graduated from my university and one month after graduating, we had our wedding day. So we got married And then not long after that, only three months after our wedding day is when we decided to pack up, sell everything and go. So leading up to this point, it was like, we were like, are we crazy? (laughs) Like, what is going on? Like, is this something that we should do? And it was really a result of feeling called from from God, like this was what we were supposed to do. And it was confirmed in a lot of different ways. Like I was seeing South Africa stuff everywhere in Alabama. We would just see South Africa license plate randomly in Alabama, South Africa t-shirt. Oh, it's shark week. And guess where the sharks are? South Africa. Like we would see it everywhere. I'm like, what the heck? Like, can we not avoid this? And so it was just being confirmed in so many different ways. It came to a point where we were like, okay, like we really need to get some seek some counsel and wisdom about this because if we're going to do this like we're we're all in like there's no going back and so that's really how it started so it was definitely bittersweet selling all the new shiny stuff we had right after our wedding day like that was really hard not everything like there were some things we we still have but there were some things we just couldn't fit into a suitcase uh so we were really blessed there was um one one person that came to our apartment and he was like, oh, my daughter, she's like about to start college in the school up the street. Like, we'll buy everything. And we were like, huh? Like, <laughs> everything just works so flawlessly. Like, we literally sold everything in the apartment that day. So it was like so cool. And it was just like one thing after another after another was just working to line up to starting this venture. So after getting on the plane and arriving, like... The journey after is like a whole different story. Like, What motivated us was like, if we don't do this, like what could we possibly be missing out on? It wasn't necessarily the fear of what was ahead, but more so the fear of like, what if we don't and we could be missing an amazing opportunity? Normally, (laughs) and I use that word in, in with air quotes, but you know, it's like one of the partners is going to a job and then the spouse is going to make a plan. So what was the conversation like with your family and your friends when they saw that you're packing up to move halfway across the world where you don't really know anybody? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um. 
No, they weren't really happy. They like grandparents for sure. Like, you know, grandparents can be so, so overprotective and things like that. But grandma's like, okay, we'll see you in three months. And we're like, you don't understand. Like, we're not coming back. (laughs) Uh, No, grandma, like you don't understand. Like, that's not the goal here. But, uh, you know, I think it was really hard for our family because, you know, my mom, even even after we did leave, like I would call her and she'd be like, when are you coming back? Like we'd get the question every time we got the when are you coming back question every day, pretty much. And or every time we had a phone call, we got that for at least three years until family members were found like, oh, wait, like they're for real living abroad. Like this is not a joke. So it took some time before it really clicked. And around the I would say the four or five year mark was really when they started asking questions out of curiosity, like, hmm, like, what's it like in Ecuador? Oh, maybe we can come visit, you know, oh, that looks, you know, we were showing pictures, we were, you know, having conversations about like, you know, grandpa, oh, when are you going to get a real job? Or, you know, like, what, what are you doing for work? And things like that. And we'd explain. And of course, he wouldn't under understand, like, Mm -hmm. so you work online? Like, how does that work? (laughs) And so, you know, the more we explained to them, the more we showed them that we were living abroad and we were fine. Like we were doing great. We were able to save because, you know, we, you know, we're benefiting economically wise and we're able to save a lot more from what we earn. Like there are a lot of really fantastic benefits they were able to see to help them have a more open mind about living abroad, even though they may never have done that before or didn't experience. It's something we touch on quite a bit in this podcast. There are always the people who think you are on on holiday. And because, I mean, they're, they're just seeing things the world through their own experiences. When they kept asking you, when are you coming home? Didn't that make it a little bit harder when you were having a tough day, both of you? Who were you turning to on those days? Oh, yeah, it was hard. I think it was more challenging for my husband than it was for me. And Mm. I think I think a lot of that has to do with just how we grew up, but also personalities, how we deal with stress, things like that. Oftentimes when we did, you know, like I had those days, he had those days, like we would just sit down and talk it through with each other. And we also had a support system in Ecuador of people that uh, we were connected with and could have those conversations with. Because when you travel, you'll find that you, there are other expats that you can connect with who have experienced the same problems that you have. You know, they've had those thoughts of like, oh, well, you know, do I want to go back? Like, is this life that we're creating, is this what I want? And oh, you know, family's there, but we're here. And, you know, just kind of there's days where you feel like you just have to kind of breathe through it. But even in the midst of those times and experiencing those things, that was when we really learned to build almost this feeling of resilience of like, what do we want in our life and not being so easily swayed by what other people were saying, but really getting intentional with what we want and the life that we want to create. Also leaning into each other and really learning like to trust each other and grow in communication. Let's say if you're not married, like I think building that community and getting in contact with people who are in, in the local area is another really great way to make sure that you have 
have that support too. Take it back to South Africa. How did you start building those connections and even just finding people who were doing the same things that you were doing? Yes. So um, we had a very unique situation. So we had a really good friend in the US who was from South Africa, who also had a house in South Africa. So we were able to, he was, he offered the opportunity for us to stay at his house. Uh, I think he had a family member living there as well. And um, basically this was like our home base to do any mission work, being able to help to support people or, you know, experience the country, whatever the case, so that we weren't just like thrown into things. So that was a really big blessing because we were able to, from there, go out and meet people in the community, learn about what things are like in South Africa, learn about how we can help in any way possible. And then also it was, that was like my space for really diving into the online business world as well. And even though I didn't understand the weight or the magnitude of what that time would bring forth, it's like now I can understand, like, even though that was probably the most stressful, scary time I have probably lived through in my expat journey to date, like probably scarier than what we're experiencing right now. Um, because it's like, if you fail, like you're, you, you get stranded in another country. Like there's no family around to bail you out. It's just like, you've got to figure it out. So that was just kind of like our initial experience in, in South Africa. Now I'm beginning to see what you mean, like all of the things were coming together. Let's get into the business side of it. You've landed in South Africa. You now have to make some money. What were your what were your first steps? Oh, gosh, there's so many things. <laughs> there's so many failures. <laughs> yeah. So I started off on Upwork and I can still remember to this day, my very first online sale was a $10 order. And I was ecstatic when it happened. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I got paid $10 online. And that was the very first moment I realized like, if I can make $10, I can make way more. And I just needed to know that it was possible because I, as I had mentioned before, I always have heard this idea that you can work online and you can make money, but I, I didn't understand how to do it. That was really when I had the encouragement to be like, okay, wait a minute, this could actually work. This could be a thing. And so leading, you know, all throughout that journey, I've gone from making my first $10 sale to being stranded in a country, not knowing what in the world we're doing because we haven't created consistent income to learning how to build a business in a country where the power is out 14 hours of the day. There's been a lot of challenges that have really, in the moment, really are not fun. Like they suck. You know, it's like painful. You learn to build that tough skin. Like, okay, if I got through the last really hard thing, like I can get through this too. What do I need to do to make this work? So uh, that's, there's, there's been a, a lot of crazy stories <laughs> that have happened as a result of building a business without having that safety net, if you will. Like, Can you share the story of when you got stranded? Oh gosh. So I wouldn't say necessarily, we necessarily got stranded, but we were very close Basically, what happened is we were coming up at the end of our visa for living in South Africa. So we had to figure out really quickly what we were going to do. Being illegal, staying over was not an option. So we were like, okay, like, what do we do? How are we going to make this work? 
thankfully, I'm just so thankful. We, uh, my husband's mom got like a tax return or something. And she was like, you know what? I want to sew into you guys. And so she was able to bless us with some cash to get a plane ticket to go to our next destination. So I think the next place we went was Malawi. And that's where we spent nine months of our time in Africa, just really regrouping, discovering the culture there, what in the world we're doing in business. And that was ultimately the launching point to take us to Ecuador, where we lived for three years. From that first $10. Oh, gosh. (laughs) How many pivots since that $10 has your business been through? And can you just talk about each one? So the first was Upwork. That was just my initial like celebration stage of 10 bucks. I made it, you know. (laughs) Um, Next was Fiverr. So I was to the point where I was like, I need, I want to get more customers because Upwork can feel kind of hostile sometimes. Like fighting for the next sale, it's just not pretty. And so next thing I did was Upwork and that was good. But again, to find that a lot of the quality of the type of orders that I was getting, like there were people who wanted these big extravagant orders for five bucks and I was just not, I was not into that. So I was like, okay, got to find a way to reach a different type of clientele. Then I got into the world of Facebook. That's when I believe we met beginning to understand how to build out a business and not so much just use platforms to do and understand, okay, what does it really take to be a CEO? What is required of me to run a business that is not just going to help people and that people will love and see the value of, but also be profitable and sustainable. Like there's so many different moving pieces of running a business versus, you know, just creating a gig on Fiverr. And so I had to understand market research. I had to understand how to market myself in a online in a place where I was not on U.S. soil and I was not speaking on a stage or in front of people or meeting people face to face. Like that's another challenge in itself. Like how in the world do you sell and market yourself online and you've never met someone face to face? And you you probably won't for like a good while. Those were the challenges that I was having to understand. And even though they're very hard, now I see that they are very, very valuable skills to have. If you can't sell what you do and sell yourself online and show people the value without even having a face-to-face conversation with them, like that can be a a big problem. And we're seeing that even now with COVID-19 situation that we're experiencing. A lot of people understanding the value of being able to be online and build your visibility, build your credibility, share your expertise with people and leverage the online tools that you have so that no matter where you are or you know, no matter where you're working from, you can still get the same results, just as if you were in an in-person office. I guess to tie, tie up my question, I had Upwork, Fiverr, I had Facebook that at that point. So that's three. And at that point, I still was not helping speakers. I mean, I was, but I was not niched down. And I guess four would be where I am now. So I would say four iterations of my business to where I was really shifting gears and just figuring out how to make it work. Hello, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for listening to The Enterprising Expat. And can I ask you to do me a quick favor? Could you please subscribe to the show? It will really help the show to grow. Thank you so much and enjoy the interview. So I'm curious, is there 
a different tone when you're speaking to people in different countries. So maybe what might go down well in the US might not be the same tone and criteria you would use for somebody in South Africa or in Germany? That's a great question. So every culture is different. People see things in a different lens than maybe another group would would see them. And a lot of my clients, I've had a few clients, my clients are in the US and I've also had a few clients in the UK. So one of my clients in Ecuador, because of how the quality of life is and how people are just, they're not as dependent on technology as as people in the US like yeah they love their that don't go, don't get me wrong they love their smartphones now they love those the smartphones they love the you know computers and they are tech savvy in regards to that but i think because of the culture is just so family oriented like you could literally walk next door have a conversation with your neighbor if it was just a lot of very personal interactions and that's just the type of culture that it is and so a lot of times i found that there was people still did a lot of print the majority of the people in the area, do they go to a website the first, if they're looking for someone, do they search online or do they ask around word of mouth and you just need to make sure you know people? It's just culturally things are different. Also understanding how to communicate in the midst of cultural differences and language barriers, differences in language, like that can also play a part in it too. What stands out to you when you think Malawi? What immediately pops into your head that makes you smile? Wow. There are so many good things. So I would say there's two things in particular. The first is um, one of our hosts that we had. He, oh my gosh, I just remember my husband and I were walking down the road and he pulls his car over. He's like, where are you going? And we're like, uh, we're just walking to the store. He's like, hop in, I'll take you. And so we're like, uh, really? He's like, yeah, let's go. And so we basically just went to, he dropped us off and we were like, what's your name? And from that point, we were just, uh, became good friends. And after that, we just called him up. We, he drove around, showed us the countryside and we actually ended up becoming tenants for like a month. And it was the coolest thing. We got to meet his wife. We got to meet his dogs. We got to just have amazing conversations with them. And it was all because he just pulled over and was like, hey, like, I'll give you a ride. And that was that was the living there at their place was the last place that we lived in Malawi before we came to Ecuador. So I just have so many fond memories of living you know living with them and just being able to experience that and then my second experience is probably that not the most you know enjoyable but was the load shedding but that experience of load shedding so we would the power would literally be out and for anyone who doesn't know what load shedding is it's basically when at the time the country was going through a really bad drought and a lot of the infrastructure in malawi was based on water power and using the water to create electricity so to conserve energy they will turn the power out for long periods of time in order to make sure that you know there are conserving resources so we were staying at a place where the power was out 10 to 14 hours out of the day. So as an online business owner, like what, what the, 
like, what do you do? Like, how do you run a business? Like, And these were things that we had to figure out. So we would charge our devices at night because the power would come on at 10 p.m. So we charge our devices at night. We would get huge, like a, we would buy a lot of data for our phone and we would just hotspot our phone when power would go out in the day and we didn't have our Wi-Fi. What we did, if our phones were getting low on battery, we would hook them up to the laptop and that would charge the phone while we were using our computer until we could have power at nine or 10 o'clock at night. So that was kind of the cycle of what, of how that looked. And that happened, that would go on for like weeks on end, weeks. And it was very challenging. And there were times I'm like, Ooh, like, how are we going to get through this? Like, but even in the midst of it being really difficult, that was what built that muscle of resiliency and understanding that if I can do this here, I can do this anywhere. I love it. Talk about your move to Ecuador when you found your niche. Yes. So putting systems in place, living in Ecuador, uh, building out a business, it like goes through phases. It, it like morphs and takes on its own thing over time. And really how my current niche came to be was I was helping someone who I think may have been in the same community that we met in, but she was transitioning her business to support people through speaking engagements and training and workshops and things like that. So after hearing about her experience about how she's planning to speak internationally and things like that, I was like, oh my gosh, like how many people are doing this? Like that was when I really began to understand this was in 2018 where I niched down to help speakers. Since then, it's been great. I've gotten a lot of really fantastic feedback. That's that's been really good. And that's pretty much how I came to understand like helping to support speakers was kind of by accident. I mean, booking the client was not accidental, but hearing her story and how she was using it was very, or, you know, how she was using her website was very insightful for me. And it helped to give me the push to be like, okay, there's, there's a need in this area. With your experience, how would you, how would you even tell somebody how to get started? Do they have to take the hard knocks and go through Fiverr and Upwork? Or have you thought about what you would do differently? Yes. So there, this, this is what I would recommend. I would say you first need to decide if you want to work for yourself and build a business, or if you are comfortable working to support someone else's venture. And the reason why I would start there and getting very clear on like, what do I want is because you don't have to build your own business to be successful with working remotely. It can, there are so many other ways to work remote. Like there was a season within my journey where I worked for a startup and that was really great to help create that consistent income for me until I was able to use the money I was earning to invest more in my business. So there are ways where you can work online and work remotely for companies that have a completely remote team. And then if you do decide like, eh, I think I want some more freedom even beyond this, if you find that there's a need in a certain area and you want to help fill that gap, then maybe you can venture into starting your own your own company. So uh, that's what I recommend is first deciding, do I want to work for uh, someone else and help to support what they're doing? Or do I just want to just jump completely into entrepreneurship and just create the thing? I think everyone's in a different place in their journey and you just have to decide what's best for you. Let's go practical. Um, what what 
tools keep your business running? Having a website, you need a website. If you're an online business owner, like don't think you can get by without a website because websites nurture your audience. They help you to accept payments and sales. They inform your people you do. Like you just, you need to have a website. Don't, don't think you can get by with just a Facebook page. Um, so a website, um, another of my favorite tools that I use for nearly everything is Dubsado. And basically it's project management CRM type of tool where you can keep track of your clients. You can keep, you can accept payments. Uh, you can send contracts, send emails. You can send so many things through Dubsado. And that's like my number one tool, I would say, apart from my website, that is like so helpful. And then also a payment gateway. So PayPal or Stripe. Life in Ecuador. And, you know, what are you working on next? Life in Ecuador. So chill, so relaxing. You're in the mountains and it's spring year round. Perfect weather. (laughs) So um, what am I working on next? I... I have a passion to help more people to live the remote lifestyle and to be able to to position themselves to comfortably transition from being in the nine to five space, if they want to, to being more remote, whether that's wanting to work from home or uh, to travel and live abroad. And um, in particular, I'm doing this through helping more speakers to be successful by leveraging their voice and getting on more stages so that they can share their message into the world. And so I am starting a, a personal project called the Freedom uh, called Freedom Lifestyle Forever. And this is a resource website where I'm going to share my experiences, how you can build a business or get hired if you're wanting to go more of the hiring route, get hired by a completely remote company. You know, how can you do these things? Start making that transition to be more remote and create your freedom lifestyle. Because I truly believe having freedom goes beyond just having you know, more time and more money. It's being able to choose what you want to do and how you want to do it. And it definitely includes having more time and more money. But what what do you want to do with your life? How do you want to live? And knowing that you don't have to feel constrained or that you have to, you can't make the decisions that you want because of your circumstances. And that's what I want to eliminate and help empower more people to be able to create a lifestyle that they, they want and that they deserve nomad lifestyle in South Africa. It's bubbling up, but there aren't really any straight visas for that. Is Ecuador better in that capacity? Can you get there and work kind of legally? Okay. So no, this, I think this is important for people to hear. So I have a permanent residency in Ecuador. So I've been living there for three years and how I was able to do it is they have of approved schools. If it's an accredited school, you can have it added to the list and just go through the process and you have temporary residency. And then I think you have to be living in the country and you can't leave the country for more than six months. If you're okay with not leaving the country for a certain amount of time, like that can be challenging, but we didn't have to spend an exuberant amount of money to get our permanent residency, just really like living expenses and investments that we made to have a great quality of life there. So it's social and your contacts, because um, I like my guests to say them. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about what I do and um, how I can help to support you, you can visit my website at professional speaker 
websites.com. So professional speaker and then websites has an S at the end.com. And um, there you can learn more about uh, the speaker brands that I build and the people that I work with. And also how, if you're interested in starting your own project, you can go ahead and uh, click the uh, book a consultation. You can have a conversation about your project. So that's where you can um, reach out if you want to work together. And then in terms of where to find me on social and get connected, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. On Facebook and Instagram, you can find me at Professional Speaker Websites as my handle. And then on LinkedIn, I believe I'm Danielle uh, Tucker with two R's at the end. Happy to be connected with everyone. That was super. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you're welcome. For your time and the information and just 